Are you ready for the most informative, well-thought-out hockey podcast on the internet? You are? Sorry. It's just Crown Conversations with your hosts, Robin P. and James Nicholson. Hello and welcome to another edition of Crown Conversations. Joining me and James today is our favorite Practical Third co-host, Sarah. Sarah, thanks for joining us today. You know, I'm glad to be here to talk uh, talk some galaxy brain stuff is what I've been led to believe we're going to go through today. So I'm pumped. Yes, today is all about trade. And you're supposed to read that as T-R-A-E-D and several exclamation points and probably a few ones. Right, James? Definitely. I've actually changed all my passwords to that. <laughs> so please do not access my bank account. <laughs> Too late. Ah. I'm accessing it right now. I'm actually fighting Sarah for control. So give us one second, James. That's fine. I can carry the podcast while I lose <laughs> my identity. To Listen, we're, we're planning a real great trip to like Tahiti or something. So thanks <laughs> for that. <laughs> Joke's on you. You can get to Des Moines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Wow, Des Moines. I think actually Sarah's the closest of the three of us to Des Moines. I'm not sure what's in Des Moines. No offense if you live in Des Moines. Corn. I just... <laughs> the Iowa Wowed. <laughs> At first I thought you said porn, James, and that made it very different. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's also there. They're not. I live in the porn capital, thank you very much, the San Fernando Valley. Shout out to uh, Van Nuys. I don't live in Van Nuys, but apparently... Hey, guys, I don't feel like this is very PC. And <laughs> I, as a millennial, uh, am offended. And, you know, I feel like Brendan Lemieux would be with me on that. Oh, my God. Well, since the topic of the day is trades, and uh, speaking of galaxy brains, let's start with the first trade, which was announced two days ago, Saturday afternoon. Just randomly trade happening brendan lemieux for a fourth round pick and it's like huh yeah that was my reaction too i my immediate reaction because i found out from you robin was just oh well this is a move and you know in our last couple of recordings i had mentioned like man the kings could use some pushback and I know that's maybe not a super uh, popular opinion, especially with the two people I'm talking with right now. But uh, in those games against Minnesota in particular, um, when Curtis McDermott was on the COVID list early on in the season, like, man, did the Kings get pushed around. And I, I get it. I don't think it's the best move in the world, but maybe... Maybe it is. Stay tuned, listener, and you'll hear my theory. And hopefully I'll get to it before All the King's Men does. <laughs> okay, yes, but as several people have pointed out, literally, Boko Imama is within their system, and he's free. And he's cheaper than Brendan Lemieux. Like, if you need somebody to punch and fight... Boko Mama is right there. And yes, I know we talked about developing a winning mentality and, and developing a winning culture in Ontario. But, like, 
at the same time, I'm kind of just... He's literally 60 miles down the road instead of 3,000 plus all the way across the country on a terrible team doing terrible things. And, like, he's not what they need. I don't get it. Okay, time for your galaxy brain, James. Give it to us. I need to hear it. <laughs> okay, well, uh, okay, I will start with theory one. And theory one is they want to move on from Curtis McDermott and bringing in Brendan Lemieux, having that more traditional fighter enforcer role on the fourth line, taking, you know, that Kyle Clifford, Trevor Lewis spot in the lineup that never was really replaced. Um, We've seen Austin Wagner try to fill that role and not be overly successful at it. Uh, um, We see, I think tried to step in tried to be a tough guy tried to agitate and doesn't necessarily draw the reaction that we would expect or hope for um you know in the last game when he fought uh he was dropped to a knee with a body punch and like i'm not saying i want to get punched in the body by an nhl player but that's one that yeah okay that stings a little bit to the uh, fragile male ego and okay, wait, 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 hang on. I have to interrupt here. How many times have we seen Kyle Clifford, like, take a punch to the noggin and just, like, collapse? Noggin's like a... different from body. Okay. It is. And, like, wait. Curtis McDermott finally showed, like, passion in a fight with Curtis Gabriel, which, I mean, yeah, like, when he throws down the helmet and is, like, looking like a pro wrestler after he beat the ever-living snot out of Curtis Gabriel, which was great, and apparently they aren't friends anymore. Um, But I see that, like, when you lose Curtis McDermott for a fighting major, that really puts a strain on the rest of the defense. And there's been a lot of games this year where the Kings have had to struggle defensively. Um, By bringing in Brendan Lemieux, you can ask Curtis McDermott to just play more of a regular defenseman-type role, or you can, you know, bench him and then maybe even call up uh, Kale Clegg. And then you put Kale Clegg and Toby Bjornfoot into the lineup regularly moving forward. I don't know. But um, that is Galaxy Brain Theory number one. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, that's kind of where I landed as well. I mean, if I if I separate out the like, I probably do not like Brendan Lemieux very much as a human being stuff that makes me not like this trade. Just looking at it from a hockey perspective, that was sort of my first thought too, was we're kind of making Curtis McDermott expendable. And this guy, you know, he's maybe a little younger, maybe, you know, a little easier to, to deal with in terms of contract stuff. And at the end of the day too, if he doesn't work out, who cares? Like a fourth round draft pick is a fourth, like you're not going to get too much great for that. Um, so I think he, he's a player who also would be easy to flip if, if you needed to, but yeah, like I, that was sort of my first thought was we are finding a way to not put Curtis McDermott in the lineup every night and have him, you know, create three own goals every time just out of sheer oops, standing in the wrong spot. So I am with you on, uh, on that, on galaxy brain number one. Even I was I just going to say, thanks for making me feel smart, Sarah. <laughs> Anytime. You can pay me later from that bank account that I just ransacked. 
Okay, good. Yeah, help yourself. <laughs> um, I was just gonna say, um, I mean, I guess it does make sense that they're stupidly trying to go for the grit because they were like, yeah, being um, all skill for some reason isn't working out and we don't like being more heavily skilled and blah, blah, blah. Stupid old men still relying on, um, you know, old outdated ideas. Um, but I just, I, that's the only thing I can think of to make this make sense is that they're just trying to get bigger, even though they do have size throughout their lineup, despite what James will tell you. Um, James, can you tell me if their top line is big? The top line's big. <laughs> the rest of the line's not very big. I mean, I don't think relying on Blake Lazat to add size or Trevor Moore to add size is going to help. Yes, but anyway, it's, you know, add size, add grit, add feistiness girl like that's the only reason i can think of that would make this trade make sense even though the rest of the trade on paper really doesn't make any sense well are you ready for galaxy brain uh number two i'm so excited bring it on <laughs> this is an analytics based move this is something that is going to make the kings better uh, tell, me more. Style. tell me more. <laughs> okay. Hey, Sarah. Yes, sir. I did listen to Sunday's episode, or, <laughs> yeah, Sunday's episode of Locked on LA Kings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can you tell me what two things Brendan Lemieux is really, really good at? Other than punching and liking Trump-related tweets on Twitter? Ugh. Yes. <laughs> um, drawing penalties which is a thing that I feel like has been cited by everyone who talks about him is he draws a ton of penalties. Um, and I, I think I think the other thing that I mentioned, since I know you're referring to my show, is like being that guy in front of the net, which we don't always necessarily have a total. What's the thing of. he leads the league in? Oh, penalty minutes, because he's that guy. Oh, God. Hey, hey, Robin. Yes. What are the two things, the two situations that the LA Kings are near the top of the league in? Um, they are actually relatively disciplined, especially compared to previous years, and they are third in the league on their penalty kill. And eighth on the power play. Yes. And they're bad at five on five. Brendan Lemieux <laughs> is going to save the Kings from themselves. Oh my god. And just going to disrupt all chances at five on five hockey. <laughs> His job is to make sure he gets off the ice and they're, like, no matter what, it's not five on five anymore. <laughs> He's going to play to the Kings' strengths based on their numbers. Excellent. <laughs> oh my god. I, I mean, hey, you know, uh, we're going to see a whole lot more uh, on Jay Kopitar ice time as a result. Oh my god. Um, They're going to kill poor Kopitar. His body's going to fall apart. <laughs> it may very well. <laughs> but, um, you know, if he's on the power play a whole lot, who minds? You yes, know? yes, but we saw how well that worked out in the first game against the Sharks. The Sharks took, like, five penalties in the first period, and the Kings scored bubkiss. 
The sharks are an anomaly. We just yes. ignore them. <laughs> yes, I'm with Sarah. Yeah, um, oh, yes, but they're going to play Martin and... Jones every time that they play the Sharks, and then Martin Jones is going to have, like, 45 saves and, like, allow one goal, and it's going to be, like, some weird fluky goal from center ice because his uh, predecessor was Jonathan Quick, and this is what Jonathan Quick does. <laughs> well, we can just it... tell, tell people to stop shooting at, like, Martin Jones's chest, <laughs> and then maybe we won't have this problem anymore. Ah, oh, he's so bad. Also... It just, ah, oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, Going James. Going off of the numbers, how many times do they play the Sharks for the rest of the I don't year? know. They I play them, like, eight more times, right? I think it's, like, four? Six, yeah. maybe? Four? Yeah, it might be six. Um, so I'm inclined to believe, okay, you play to the bulk of the remaining things. Uh, you know, when you look at the penalty kill for um, the other... Yeah, okay, so we I think we have a bunch of Vegas games, and we definitely have a bunch of Anaheim games left. Like, Vegas, okay, they're sixth on the penalty kill. That's fine. Anaheim, 25th, not great. Power play. Um, Vegas, actually, surprisingly, only 21st overall in the league. And Anaheim is second worst at 30th. Uh, Minnesota is actually the worst at the power play, and we only have to play them one more time. Thank the Lord. Woo! But, you know, if we have a bunch of games against those two who maybe aren't good on the power play, we'll make them play on the power play and then take the momentum from a good penalty kill and get going. This is my galaxy brain opinion or theory. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I can. Yeah. Yeah. I can. I can see that. It's not like I was expecting Galaxy Brain, like Brendan Lemieux's best friend's brother's cousin's third wife met Rob Blake in a grocery store and was like, please trade for my person. Um, your Galaxy Brains are a lot more reasonable than what I was thinking. <laughs> Brendan Lemieux hung out with Rob Blake when Brendan Lemieux was like six and made a good first impression. That's why good handshakes and eye contact matter. Brendan Lemieux read Dale Carnegie at five years old, and that's why he's a king. Oh, my God. No, no, Sarah, the galaxy brain here is that um, Rob Blake owed Mario Lemieux a favor, and so, you know, he said, I saved your life, so one day you're going to trade for my son, who is... Do you mean Claude Lemieux? (laughs) Yeah. well, okay, so so uh, Rob Blake knew Mario <laughs> Lemieux, and and they they knew each other from from years past, and and uh, this has something to do with the Penguins, and um, and somehow the Penguins are involved with this, and and the the Penguins love Punchy Boys too, and so Mario Lemieux is like, hey, I need you to trade for Brendan, and so Rob so Blake, that Ron Hextall doesn't. Yes, exactly. And and since, you know, Rob Blake and Ron Hextall surely knew each other in some capacity at some point, and I'm sure they've hung out because, you know, they're both in, like, they're, they're, like, <laughs> stop laughing. I can't get through my stupid theory. Because, um, you know, Ron Hextall is now GM of the um, Penguins now, isn't he? Yeah, because and he was previously GM of of the Flyers. So Mario Lemieux is like, hey, save uh, Philly. I mean, save Pennsylvania from itself. Uh, trade for Brendan Lemieux. 
Oh, gosh. I mean, it could be because Brendan's dad, Claude, and R Rob Blake were teammates on the Avalanche. But... <laughs> Your theory makes oh, a lot more sense than mine. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Your theory makes yeah. a lot more sense than mine, James. <laughs> but I was trying to galaxy brain it. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, gosh. Oh, oh that, made, that delighted my soul. Thank you. I mean, we're also missing the obvious, if we're, if we're going the Ron Hextile route, like, he worked for the Kings for a little yes. while, so yeah. we, and don't we, we could simplify the galaxy brain. Wait, but don't, but don't forget, if we want to truly galaxy brain this, Ron Hextall was also a uh, part of the Broad Street Bullies, and Ron Hextall was a punchy boy himself, and so, you know, he, like, whispered... Brian Burke loves a punchy boy. Yes, exactly. And and yeah. and Ron Hextall whispered in Rob Blake's ear during some well it can't be recent because um, you know the pandemic and everything but he like slid into Rob Blake's DMs and he's like hey bro you're gonna love this punchy boy and you know also you up <laughs> you know like they were both on the Kings and they both knew Dean Lombardi and and Dean Lombardi loved punchy boys and and he's like hey channel your inner Dino and and get this punchy boy. And Dean Lombardi brought two cups to the Kings, so this is obvious that they should do this route. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> okay, man, I my face hurts. <laughs> well, let's get I know to... I laughed very hard and and um thank you for that, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the other trade from today. Um, so the Kings traded for uh, Wol Wolanin, Wolanin for um, Amadio. Amadio has been on the outs for pretty much the last year and a half, I would say, or like since half of last season. Um, it's obvious that Trevor Moore has started to replace Amadio. And Lazat is comfortable up on that top line, or he was before the lines got all jumbled. I have no idea what the top line is anymore. Um, <clears throat> oh, wait, I do, because it's the only line with size. I, I, I just, I like size. And grit. That's what she said. <laughs> I'm offended. <laughs> No, you're not. <laughs> I, I'm delighted. <laughs> I'm not going to go to the obvious place that I could go, and I'm going to keep this a clean podcast. As, okay. <laughs> as clean as we can keep it, despite all of our innuendos. But James thinks that this could be a way to shore up the rain defense, even though the rain have, like, eight defensemen. I mean, I feel like you can't have too many, and they've also been bad. So, like, why not add another one to see if that'll fix it? Um, and my guess, my guess is too that this is probably we're probably going to see a handful of these smaller moves. And so, once we hit April thirteenth or whatever after the trade deadline's over, I don't think the Rain are going to still have eight defensemen. Um, I don't. It's one of those moves where, like, I don't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't do much for me either way. Like, I'm glad that, you know, Mike Amadio probably saw the writing on the wall that he's not going to get NHL time here anymore. And they at least sent him to a team that needs people who are alive because 
um, I, I, I can't, I can only name like three Ottawa senators. Um, and Ottawa was probably like, please take someone back. And so <laughs> that's what we did. I don't, I don't, it, it, it's, it's a trade. It was probably just a, like, let's do something nice for Mike Amadio. So he doesn't have to, you know, not do things. Yeah, and I mean, I'm a guy who I loved Mike Amadio in juniors in the AOHL. Um, you know, the year he was drafted in the third round by the Kings, he then like set his junior team scoring record. Um, and the knock on him had always been, oh, he's only a defensive centerman. And then, you know, developed his game. I think for me with Mike Amadio, it was the consistency you would see games where his feet were moving. He had good speed, could make good plays. Um, I remember even listening to the Arizona broadcast one time, and like Paul Bissonette like compared his skating to Austin Matthews, um, which I don't know how great of a comparison that is, but like Amadio has some skill, and I was always really excited for him, and I really hope he gets his shot and he sticks with Ottawa. Um, with Christian Wolanin, Wolanin, um, maybe this is something where they can literally just stick him on the taxi squad, and so then the rain can have a better, better access to the defenseman they want on a nightly basis, um, without having to you know do the taxi squad shuffle, um, which is my new dance craze. Everybody do the taxi squads shuffle. First year up, now clear waivers. <laughs> but I think I think the taxi squad point is a really important point to make because some of the rain's problems I really kind of attribute to the fact that they have never really been able to put together the whole lineup that they've wanted to have. And that that's aside from guys like Kale Clegg and Austin Strand spending time up in the NHL, but they also keep losing guys who they would prefer to have playing to this taxi squad. So yeah, I think this, I think Will Annan could be another guy who, you know, maybe he comes into Ontario and is amazing and cool. He has now solved a problem. Maybe he comes in and is underwhelming and then he just sits on the taxi squad and whatever. I'm just curious, like, I'm sure that they have a, a plan with the rain, but this is kind of the, second or third year in a row where it feels like they don't really have much of a plan with the rain like i mean their plan with the rain is here's a place for our children to play i don't think that the plan extends beyond we need them to play games they're not trying to win the thing if they were trying to win the calder cup they would have actually gone out and signed like real ahl veterans and real guys to play and instead they're like cool here's a team there there is no plan for the rain other than just existing i think please do not besmirch the signing of Devonte smith pelly okay is... i love that 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 i do love that move in all seriousness i think that that was a great move and yes. i think it was them recognizing that the whole let's only play children thing wasn't actually working <laughs> because the children still need like to be surrounded by adults and professionals and i love the fact that you know we also now have quentin byfield and akil thomas having Devonte Smith Pelly to to be there and someone who has been in their shoes of being a black player in this league and in the NHL and who can be a mentor for them in more things than just hockey like I loved that like that move actually told me like oh they're actually 
paying attention to the rain and what the rain need. Just, you know, a couple months too late. I My favorite thing about the DSP signing is just if you want to motivate someone to go to the gym, just have DSP walk around without his shirt on. That man, that, like, I... Like, I just saw that dude. I was like, you know what? I'm working out tomorrow. I, You've given me a goal, sir. Thank you. Um, he's huge. He's a massive person and, like, is a pretty good skater. Not exactly the quickest. And, yeah, like, I think is a good character guy. I have never seen Ryan Getzlaff genuinely smile except for when Devontae Smith-Pelly was, like, making fun of him, which was wonderful to see. The smile distracted from his shiny head. Oh, no. No, it just it <laughs> added another layer of brightness to the room. <laughs> oh, my God, James. Uh, I I know that we... I think you're right, Sarah, that they finally are starting to kind of put together a plan for the rain, and that included, like, the DSP signing. And I saw something interesting from... I forgot who tweeted it, but somebody was um, talking about a quote from uh, the head coach. Uh, how do you say his name? I think you're the only person who knows. Robleski. Robleski. Not Robleski? Nope. Ah. Robo Belushi. <laughs> but <Or> that. <laughs> it, it was interesting because after a really bad outing, Robleski. Um, he said something to the effect of, about the top line of Kupari or his line of Kupari, Turkat, and Kaliev about learning to be professionals and learning to be consistent night in and night out. And I thought it was a really interesting quote because, like, yes, they had success for, like, three games, but then they apparently had, like, a really stinker of a game and, like, Nobody on that line was moving. There, nobody on that line was moving their feet, and they were just kind of expecting things to happen. And so, you talk about being professional, and it's this DSP signing is just—it's so interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, he's been a professional. He's played with good teams. He's made playoff runs at the NHL level, and um, I mean, he's a guy who I—I I always rooted for. I thought he was. Uh, extremely fun on the ice off the ice and and i mean i'm just a big fan of of dsp but uh, yeah um maybe that's a move that contributes to the culture of winning that the kings are trying to build yeah i didn't realize that they are super young like i knew they were young but they are very they have a very young squad they have Six players on their entire 23-man squad roster who was born in 1995 or earlier. Six players. And 13 of their players on on their roster are still considered rookies. So, and and most of them are every night guys. Um, A handful are guys who have been kind of in and out of the lineup, but, you know, Alex Turcott, uh, Samuel Fagamo, Akio Thomas, uh, Arthur Kaliev, like these guys are all rookies. And I, I would be curious to, I, I feel like they have to be one of the teams with the most like highest proportion 
of rookies to experienced players, which I think, you know, when, whenever you talk about the rain struggling, I think is something that like needs to be looked at and needs to be considered of having all of these guys who are making this jump. And, you know, it's hard enough for like one player to, to make the jump to professional hockey. And then you have 13 of them um, who are, who are trying to do it. And no wonder things are a little bit like squishy. Squishy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a great superlative for this. Um, yeah, no. And I mean, there is this thing with, um, with them. They also have a rookie head coach in the AHL. Um, I mean, this is kind of a drastic culture change at that level of the organization. You know, who didn't love Mike Sellers? Yeah. And then. Me. I hated you know, Mike Sellers. Make... <laughs> <laughs> um, to move on from him. <laughs> Gosh dang it, Robin. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you you left that wide open, Jake. I sure did. I sure did. But Stuthers was a guy who had been with the Kings for, you know, with the rain for a very long time. And to make that decision to just be like, all right, we're, we're changing up everything. Uh, it, it was a big swing by Rob Blake. Uh, I think we are seeing that he's, he's taking some swings. He's making some dis- hard decisions. Um, and I think we can see that there is a level of principle uh, of carefulness to the decisions that Rob Blake makes. Um, you know, I I think I told you earlier, Robin, like my brain says like the Kings won't be very active at the trade deadline. My gut says maybe Rob Blake is going to do a huge trade that is going to shake up everything. But And like, that's, that's the crazy thing is that like, I wouldn't be surprised either way if he does nothing or just makes a handful of minor league deals like this one with Amadio, or if he like trades, I don't, I don't know who, like, I don't even want to put that out there in the universe who, who he would trade, but like either way, I'll be like, Oh yeah, that makes sense for him. And I, I mean, I feel like that says a lot about, a the, how mysterious he is um and, and b like just what a strange place the kings currently are in their rebuild of it would both make sense to be to be buyers and to be sellers i want to read something um so jeff paul from hockey buzz and i told this to james earlier but he a hundred percent nailed the analysis of the kings which makes um which makes them such a tricky team to predict this year. Who are the Los Angeles Kings? If this question were asked in the offseason, there'd be one answer. If asked in the exhibition games, there'd be another. Now halfway through the season, yep, there'd be yet another answer to that question. After everything that has transpired, there should be a general consensus on this club, no? Wrong. To this day, it's hard to fart forecast the Los Angeles Kings. Are they getting younger and faster? Yes. Do they still rely a little too heavily on quote-unquote grizzled veterans? Yes. Are they a quote-unquote great team on paper? No. Do they have a shot at the playoffs? Yes? Question mark? So, I mean, 
I wouldn't necessarily like say are they a great team on paper. I'd say they're a very good team on paper. It's just how everything kind of shakes out on a night-to-night basis is because much like James's underwear, they have some skid marks. Streaky. Yes. Um, <laughs> no. no oh my god. <laughs> that's a good um, a good way to you know I think we talked about it with our last episode looking at the analytics for this year um you know I, i've seen some reports out of canada some reports like, out of canada that like around the league around the league really people are really surprised that the kings, that the kings are as good as, as they, they are this year. this year um you know i i think they're trending in the right direction if we are to you know believe the five-year plan and kind of. i'm you know i'm i'm good with that good I, with that i you know if they buy, if they sell, if they stay put, I think they're they're all good decisions at the trade deadline. Like, and that's a really weird place to be in um, because normally you want a major trade and for things to get shaken up, but this group is sometimes gelling, sometimes falling apart. <laughs> And who knows what's going to happen in, you know, a couple weeks from now. Who knows what's going to happen in the next game, which happens to be in 15 minutes as we are recording this on Monday, March 29th, uh, right before their game to the Golden Knights. They are so capable of eking out these super gutsy wins against teams like Vegas that are so talented on paper. And they prove that they can keep up with the big dogs. I feel like they could make almost a 2014-style run. Um, and if should they make the playoffs? Because there's so much heart on this team. And you've got the guys like Brown and Kopitar and Dowdy and Quick who were there, who remember what it's like to go all in, to have those super gutsy wins and just sacrifice everything in the name of hockey and the name of hockey gods and and winning the big championship trophy at the end of the year. Then you have things where they just, they fall apart against the Coyotes and the Sharks and somehow Minnesota, they, they can't figure out a team like Minnesota who, while good on paper, is also another semi-confusing team and I feel like Minnesota is sort of one of those, like, yeah, they're good, but are they good and or are they bad or are they middle of the road? Like, Minnesota is one of those teams that you can't quite figure out. And, like, and, and same with the Kings. Like, they just can't, like, you, the lack of consistency is, of course, frustrating. And, and but it's just, like, I don't know, I, I don't know what to make of this team. Sarah, tell us what to make of this team. Um, they are chaos, and everyone just has to enjoy the ride. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think that I think you're right, and I think that I mean, part of it too. It's interesting seeing perspectives of people outside of the Pacific bubble, because a lot of people do still hang on to that, like, oh, the Kings are old and slow, and I'm like, okay, that means you haven't watched a Kings game in like three years. It's like, okay, thanks for telling on yourself. Like, I get it. <laughs> Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, and part of it too is that like we are rebuilding an identity, we are rebuilding a culture. And I think that kind of also contributes to us not knowing really what to make about them. Like if you tell me they're going to make the playoffs, I'll be like, okay, cool. If you tell me they're last in the division, I'll be like, yeah, cool. Like literally nothing would surprise me at this point, but I do like, I, I think that they're at the point in their, the rebuild, the retool, the whatever you want to call it that like, I would actually like to see them make the playoffs. I would like to see them like, no, they're probably, they probably wouldn't even get out of the first round. Like, I'm pretty sure they'd match up with Vegas and Vegas would destroy our hope, hopes and dreams and whatever. But like, I want those young players. I want, you know, Anderson Dolan and, uh, you know, Kale Clegg, if he's in the lineup and Carl Grunstrom, I want those guys to experience the playoffs and see what it's like and then come back next year and want more of it. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that there's something to be said for like the young, dumb and hungry team that just rolls into the playoffs by accident and then wins. Like we have seen it, but I think that like you, you need that first taste of it to, to really know, okay, this is what's expected of me and this is how it works. And, and then you go from there. But yeah, like I, I, I watch this team and you know, some nights they look amazing and some nights, yeah, they put 40 shots on Martin Jones. that are bad <laughs> shots and surprise, surprise, they lose. Like, I don't think they entirely know who they are or what to expect on a nightly basis. And that probably is a lot to do with why we're all kind of here. Like, I don't know what the Kings are doing because they don't necessarily know either. So let me ask you a question, Sarah. And this is a question that James posed in our podcast last weekend, but I want to phrase it slightly differently. When do you start trading for the Matt Greens and the Jarrett Stoles, the character guys? who, um, like, Dean Lombardi had a very specific vision mm-hmm. when he mm-hmm. was training for Jarrett Stoll and Matt Green. They're not the fastest guys. They're not the most skilled guys, but they're mm-hmm. the leaders in the room. And yeah. it's it's such an interesting thing watching this team rebuild itself as their young guns trying to come in and, like, Jarrett Anderson Dolan has to learn how to be a professional every night. Kale Clegg, yeah, he's been in the AHL. But, I mean, he's also learning how to be a professional and what it means to be professional in the AHL versus the NHL. So where do you, when do you bring in that character trade? I mean, I think that, I mean, A, would depend on the asking price. Like, first off, like, I don't think that we should be trading, you know, really crucial assets for for a player like that. But, like, I, I don't think this year, but I think next year, if it's a guy who has a couple years on his contract, like, um, I think of it wasn't quite the same situation, but when the Capitals signed Justin Williams for a couple of years, uh, or you know when he went to the Hurricanes for a couple of years, like I feel like that's that's when you start looking is when you 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 know okay we have a window over the next couple of years that we think we're going to make the playoffs and we think we're going to at least start to try to make some noise, and and I think that's when you start looking for those guys. Um, you know, it, it, would bringing someone in this year be totally crazy? No. Uh, but I think it depends a lot on what the other team wants. And I guess the good thing for the Kings is that they have so much cap space that they can afford to bring in one of those character guys over the next two, three years and and not have it be too too harmful to, you know, re-signing other guys. But I, I think the moment is not quite yet, but I think that we're kind of there. Maybe they'll bring Trevor Lewis back next <laughs> season or something. I, I get that <laughs> sense too. I, I kind of feel like, 
they should wait for the Patrick O'Sullivan type trade, which is what James said. But I feel like they're still like maybe a year or two away to make that kind of let's start bringing in character guys to really solidify. Because there's still so many young guns, still so many young guys trying to just learn how to be professional um, and learn how to be consistent. <coughs> Adrian Kempe. <coughs> um, now, speaking of character guys, there is an interesting rumor that James brought to my attention. Um, I, I forgot where the source, I forgot who the source was, but. Is this the Elliot Friedman? Yes. Um, thing I sent you? Yeah. Yeah. So. The New York Islanders could potentially, this is some weird rumor that Elliot Friedman just decided to float out there, even though there's like absolutely no basis in reality for this. Um, Dustin Brown to the New York Islanders, like he's from upstate New York. Um, he, his family loves it there. I think he still has extended family out there. I know he has a house up in New York. Um, he's such a Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorello type of player. Now, he does have a limited no-trade clause, but if they could get him to waive it, what would you think of the Kings trading away a character guy such as Dustin Brown? Both of you. Man, you know, if you had asked me like two years ago, what, what would you think about trading Dustin Brown? I'd be like, cool, do it. Like, anything you can get, do it. But he has been so much the like heartbeat of this team over the past couple of years that like as he has actually been kind of given the freedom to play meaningful minutes and and to not be in the Daryl Sutter doghouse like he has really kind of rejuvenated his career and I, I feel like that trade would be a trade because Dustin Brown wants to chase another cup than it would be for for the Kings like at this point he has so few years left on his contract that, um, I mean, yeah, I think should Rob Blake inquire like, hey, how do you feel about waving that no, no move thing? And I'm sure Dustin Brown would go no. And then that's the end of the conversation. Like, but yeah, I, I a couple years ago, I would have been like, cool, do it. And now I actually kind of hesitate because he has been so important to this team over the past couple of seasons as he has refound his game. Well, what about Jeff Carter? Oh, sorry, James. I didn't get your opinion. Sorry. Oh no, no, it, it's fine. Um, I get distracted by Jeff Carter too. <laughs> He's still um, so handsome. Yes, he is. Uh, <laughs> curse Duncan Keith for knocking out his teeth in the 2013 <laughs> Western Conference Final. Uh, no, I mean, for me, I, it it seems like such a Lou Lamorello move. And that's what, what Elliot Friedman was thinking about. And I would imagine, like, oh, Andrew Ladd, our captain, is hurt and can't play for the rest of the year. I would just bring in Dustin Brown and make him wear the captain C on his sweater for the rest of the year, <laughs> like, to make a point to Dean Lombardi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that would actually be great. That would be great. I would love that. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it really would be. And, like, I don't know, like, there are guys, there's a lot of young guys who are contributing for that Islanders team who, like, I'm just like, oh, Anthony Bavillier, um, Oliver Wallstrom, you know, um, uh, the defenseman Sebastian Ajo, not the fun scorey one, um, 
you know, uh, uh, Kiefer Bellows. And because uh, I always have an affinity for Team USA from that year at the World Juniors. Very uh, important. Yeah. Uh, Noah Dobson, <laughs> even. Uh, those are guys who I think are real enticing for the Kings. Um, guys who have played meaningful NHL games who are young and uh, could be kind of cool. Uh, do I think this is a trade that happens? Probably not. Um, would I make it if I was Rob Blake? I would seriously consider it. But I think if you are trying to make the playoffs this year to send a message to your team that I trust what you guys are doing, mm-hmm. I hold on to Dustin Brown. Because he's been money on the power play. You know, he's he plays top line minute. I don't I don't turn over the apple cart that substantially yet. I mean it's like the year the Kings won the cup where there was all the speculation of like, are we gonna trade Dustin Brown? And you know, then you know, he got he got the message of like, no, we're not, and then he scored the hat trick, whatever. But like I feel like it's sort of the same thing of like how how better to show your team that you believe in them and you believe that they can make some noise over the next couple of seasons than to keep a guy who you would otherwise trade. It's sort of a lot like the the Rangers deciding to commit to Chris Kreider and to give him a long deal when everyone thought that he was going to be gone at the trade deadline. But the Rangers realized, like, listen, we are rebuilding this team. We are bringing in a lot of these young players we want someone who has been around. We want someone who has seen it all with this team and they decided to keep him. And, you know, is that contract going to look ugly in a couple years? Probably. Uh, but it, it was a good message to that Rangers team of, listen, we're trying to build something here and we, we want, we, we believe in you. It was maybe a little misguided because they're still bad, but you know, it, it's that similar sort of attitude of, of how do you show your team that you, think that they're ready and it sometimes the answer is by not trading away someone who you maybe should trade i think this is a big thing where um it, it it's this idea that gms reward their team with a trade um you know that like you've shown to me that you guys are committed to making the playoffs so at the trade deadline i traded somebody who's going to like make the team better on paper um there, there's that idea. Like, I, I think the rumor was that, like, um, Kyle Dubas had a trade ready to go, and then the Maple Leafs last year lost to the the guy who drives the Zamboni. And then he's just like, I am not trying to make this team better. I am mad at them. I'm going to spite not make a trade. Um, that would be me as a GM, is just making spite moves. I, I maybe, see the similarity you know? between you and Kyle Dubas. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, the physical blocks. resemblance is there, James. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, if you're, if you're sending the message to this team that, like, I believe that what you guys are doing, hold on to Dustin Brown, make a different trade. If you're saying, like, you know, if they – over the next couple of weeks when they play Vegas and San Jose and Colorado more, which is going to be a tough stretch for them. And Rob Blake looks at them going like, I no, this isn't working. Like you guys had your chance and you blew it time to move on. So, you know, speaking of spite, 
supposedly Dean Lombardi fired Terry Murray to send a message to his team. And he blamed the players. Like he went into the locker room and he goes, your performance got Terry Murray fired. This is your fault. Oh yeah. No, that is uh, definitely within King's folklore. And like, I believe there's even a quote, a quote from Drew Doughty where he's just like, I know we can be better and I have to be better because I can't let that happen again. Yeah. Well, supposedly you know, there's, and I, I don't know how true this is, but John Stevens, um, in that time that, like, right after Terry Murray got fired, um, because the Kings were in on a road trip, they were in Boston, <laughs> this just speaks to, like, John Stevens. Like, he took the players all out for ice cream <laughs> to make them feel better. Oh. You know, John... I mean, because he's just a good guy. I love John Stevens. Like, John... Players will do more to make a guy like that happy. Oh, like, yeah. look at what Dallas did last year. And he was on their bench as an assistant coach. Like, Dallas had no... They honestly weren't good enough to be in the Stanley Cup final and went. And, yeah. Like, that's the kind of impact John Stevens has. And I love that guy. And I miss him being on the Kings staff. But... I also love Todd McClellan. So what are you going to do? Bring John Stevens back to work with Todd McClellan? Duh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like returning to the place that fired you so quickly. I don't really know. John yeah. Stevens is a nice guy, but... Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that speaks more to the toxicity of the King's front office than it does uh, anything about John Stevens. I mean, however true that might have been a few years ago, I'm okay with the way things are headed right now as a fan. With the team on the ice? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, again, like, it. they're super frustrating. Like, one game they look like world beaters. The next game they look like they don't know how to tie their shoes. <laughs> um and yeah it's frustrating but that's just what happens with a young team and cal peterson is the real deal like that is what this year has absolutely shown i don't know about that rely on cal peterson for the years to come i don't know about that because look what happened to carter hart granted carter hart is much younger well not much uh much younger in hockey terms uh being you know three years younger than cal peterson um, Carter Hart's 22, Cal Peterson's 25, I think. That yeah, but like that's Philly. Philly but... turns, like, they go through goalies like nobody's business. I know. Like, unless it's Brian Elliott, who will somehow always end up as their backup every other year. And somehow look like a world-beater Vesna candidate every other year. I mean, what do you say, Sarah? I mean, yeah, I feel like you can't. Those those are two different situations. I feel like Philadelphia is such a mess in general that I I, I don't really think we can apply the oops, Carter Hart forgot how to play hockey uh, thing to to Cal Peterson. And I I think that Cal Peterson having a handful of years on him and having played 
I mean, Carter Hart basically went right to the NHL. I think he sure. played a couple of AHL games or maybe half a season before getting called up. Uh, you know, Cal Peterson has several years of playing in front of the incredibly frustrating Ontario Reign. You know, I, I, I have a lot of confidence that Cal Peterson can handle whatever <laughs> nonsense this team throws at him. Um, I, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think that j look, whether you're a numbers person or an eye test person, you know, watching Cal Peterson get, makes me be like, okay, if he is not starting the majority of the games down this stretch, like, then I don't know what Todd McClellan is doing. But yeah, I mean, I think that he, he has made very clear that he is the guy and that he can stand on his head when he needs to and um, and frustrate other teams, especially because he is kind of an unknown commodity to a lot of other teams. I think that they're kind of like, well, what do we do now? <laughs> what do we do and, with and this guy? <laughs> he has the right-handed catching glove, too, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, which, true. you know, was so in vogue in 2002 with Thomas Fokun and Jose Teodor and no one since then um well yeah, except but, for like um actual right-handed european goalies which seem to be really oddly few and far between yeah but i mean you but know, anyway. I, I think that also comes up to like do the kings trade jonathan quick while retaining half of his salary for two years after this year at the trade deadline you know, I, I watched the Capitals game the other day against the Rangers, and, like, man, did they try hard to lose that game against the Rangers <laughs> when they were up three. Like, they need goaltending help. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh needs goaltending help. Philadelphia needs goaltending help. Uh, Toronto is talking about getting rid of Freddie Anderson. <laughs> Could you um, imagine reuniting Jack Campbell and Jonathan Quick in oh. Toronto? Yeah. Uh, there is a rumor that I don't know if I trust that says that is likely to happen. Yes, um, I want it to happen so badly. Toronto just keep taking all of LA's goalies. Just we're a goalie pat a pipeline goalie factory straight to Toronto. I love this idea. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I I don't know if the Kings are, are ready to move on from Jonathan Quick. Um, kind of in the same way of like, are they ready to move on from Dustin Brown? Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, there's some interesting things that could happen on the back end because what kind of, you know, ripple effect is there mm -hmm. from uh, Aaron Ekblad's horrific mm -hmm. injury yeah. last night? Because now Florida definitely needs to trade for mm -hmm. a defenseman. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what does that end up leading to down the road? We, we don't know yet. Um, you know, I just, yeah, there, there's a lot of, of, of head scratching and pondering heading into the trade deadline and all of it with a flat cap. And, and most teams have orders from their owner. Don't take on any money yeah, because I'm not making enough money to pay these players their agreed upon <laughs> salary. Yeah. And I feel like the, the only thing that would make me pause about Jonathan quick is, what what do we what's coming back the other way? Um, because you know, while I have faith in Cal Peterson, I don't have faith in anything behind him to to come up and be a long term. I mean, maybe, Try 
Roy Grossman. Yeah. I mean, he did very well in his one game. Uh, he's amazing in the AHL. Like, he could be at least a temporary option. But it would also, I, I think the Kings would then have to explore the goalie market in, in the future for next season or whatever, because I, you know, <laughs> I, I, Matt Villalta and Jacob Ingham, bless their hearts, but they're still babies and are not ready yet <laughs> to, to come up. But I, I think that that would be, for me, like the biggest hesitation in trading quick is that like, okay, we we need someone who can hack it, especially if the Kings make a playoff run and then end up having to need another goaltender. Uh, you, you need one who isn't going to be like, well, I'm out of here. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> which is what I would do if I suddenly had to show up to the playoffs. I'd be like, nope, I'm gone, bye. Well, you're not an NHL player, Sarah. I'm Exactly. <laughs> I feel like with the Kings, depending on Matt Villalta's trajectory, because the Ontario reign are absolutely horrendous in front of him, but he has been so cool, calm, and collected the last season and a half that he's been uh, with the... AHL or that he's been in the AHL but it's kind of do you really want to bring if Jonathan if they let Jonathan Quick walk in two years after his contract is up let's say that nobody wants to trade for Jonathan Quick or they'd say they decide no we can't trade Jonathan Quick yet because we we don't know if the players coming behind him are ready do you trust either 22-year-old or 23-year-old Matt Velalta, 23-year-old Matt Velalta or 22-year-old Jacob Ingham to come up and make a difference in the NHL? Like, No, that's when they go get a, like, Anton Kudobin or whoever, you know, Ryan Miller is going to play until he's 45 or something, probably. <laughs> we can just bounce him around Southern California. Like, yeah, I, I think that if they do get rid of Jonathan quick for in the next couple of years, or even after his, his, um, his, uh, contract ends. I, I don't think that they're going to be ready yet to dump Matt Villalta or Ingham or whoever, uh, cause they do have a lot of other goalie prospects who could, you know, also pan out. I think that they, hey then, then they, then they just go get an old guy. Yes, sir. Uh, speaking of goalies, <laughs> uh, Mark Andre Fleury just, isn't dressing for the Knights and Oscar Danks was just called up. Oh yep. God. With Leonard starting. Uh, and Flurry was uh, on the rink for the morning skate. Mm-hmm. So yes, but... is there a ca- Is there a trade? Or... Is he getting traded back to Pittsburgh? Oh my oh, God. Please, please, uh, please give of, me that. Speaking of goalies oh. though, I, I want to touch on this real quick. Cause we are running out of time. Um, cause it's, it's been a long time. It's been a long podcast already. Um, now the Kings have shown a propensity to just go out and get some old backup guy, um, like Kudobin, like Ben Scrivens. Well, Ben Scrivens wasn't that old. Like, um, whoever is available at, on the goalie market at the time. Um, speaking of the Florida Panthers, I, I'm kind of going back a little bit. I know that the Florida Panthers are not a cap team. Ordinarily, they're not anyway. And Ekblad just had a horrible injury. But they pay, they're paying Bob a lot of money, and he is literally the worst goalie in the league. Do you, do you make that trade for somebody like Jonathan like. Quick? Who is, he's got, 
yes, Jonathan Quick is very temperamental, to put it nicely. Really quick. But Sergey Bobrovsky is ninth in the league in save percentage. No, but yeah, okay, yeah, but in like expected goals against or expected saves above average or something, he's like way below. Like he's literally the worst in the league. Okay, sorry. No, well, okay, sorry. I should say according to the fancy stats of Evolving Wild, from mm-hmm. from the Evolving Wild twins, they categorize Bob as being worst in the league. But he's being sheltered behind a Joel Quenville defense, which absolutely makes sense. Well, although that that question was asked quite quite often in Chicago, is it Corey Crawford or is it Joel Quenville's defense? Sometimes it was A, sometimes it was B. Mo- Very true. Most likely, in this case with Florida, it is Joel Quenville's system that has been sheltering Bobrovsky because he hasn't really been good, like even by eye test, He's been kind of bad the last two seasons that he's been in Florida. He's been a huge disappointment to um, the the not fancy cat um, fans. So would you go out and get? But Jonathan Quick's kind of expensive. So do, but do you make that trade? They I trade mean, we're not taking Quick back Bobrovsky. <laughs> <laughs> James really loves Olimata. <laughs> Uh, well I think the thing is the Kings are probably just going to hang on to Jonathan Quick I suspect for the next five years I mean his big contract is going to end soon and as we all knew would happen eventually over time 5.8 million really isn't that bad yes it's a flat cap but the good thing about having all these children is that you don't have to pay them that much money I mean, when his contract is up, if he wants to stick around for like a million bucks a year or something, because he's made a ton of money already, like I actually wouldn't hate that, because, like, like I said, like they're not quite ready yet for the pipeline behind Cal Peterson. If they just give, if they just keep giving Jonathan Quick like one year deals, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he I, would take it. I'd be but okay like, with actually, it. I wouldn't hate that. Yeah. If he if he took it. Yeah. Even if I'd it was like a two year deal, I would. Two years, maybe $4 million each. Super overpaying. But I take it for a known quantity. You always know what you're going to get with Jonathan Quick. And I hate to say this, but chances are his body's going to break down at some point during the season. And then you'll get a good look at what the children in the AHL are doing. And see how ready they are for the primetime NHL spotlight. I mean, I don't want it to happen, but it's been, like, a consistent thing over the last three years. Hey, Rob Blake, call us. We've got an idea. Yeah. All right, last question. Um, He's not as much of a character, heart and soul guy as Dustin Brown, who, by the way, leads the Kings uh, in both power play goals. Power in, sorry, he leads the Kings in power play goals and points, regular, all strength points and all strength goals this season for the Kings. Um, but what do you do with Jeff Carter? He's so versatile, but he's old and he's kind of not that good anymore. I mean, the part of me that loves Jeff Carter, like is like, no, please don't do the thing. But of, of the like veteran players who are still on this team, 
I could, he, he is the most expendable. And I think is salary aside, because he still gets a whole ton of actual dollars, I think, and, and a big cap hit, which I think it would make him a little harder to trade. But, you know, I, I think that he, he is someone who, and again, if you roll back the clock to like 2011 Philadelphia and tell a Flyers fan this, they're going to think you're out of your mind. But like, he is someone who is always cited as a really good mentor for the young players. And he's always being really helpful to guys like Anderson Dolan and, and the other young players on the team. And they always stick him with the young guys on his <laughs> line. And he, you know, he just is the dad for them. And so like, I, I could, I could see it. All of the like nonsense about like he's going to retire if you trade him. I really don't think that like I, I think that's overblown. Um, I, I think that at the end of the day, he's a hockey player and that comes first over like I don't want to leave L.A. You can come back in two years once your contract's done and live on the beach for the rest of your life. It's cool. Um, I wouldn't mind it as long as the Kings don't have to like eat, like also send along like a really cool prospect to make some team take his salary. Like, if, if the deal's going to suck, just keep him. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't make sense. He, his cap hit is basically $5.3 million. His actual dollars paid is $2 million. So a, a team like the Senators, who are watching every dollar, I feel like they, they could take him, but I don't know if he makes... Well, actually, he does kind of make sense for their team. Hey, Dorian, call us. We have an idea. Um, but... No, I mean, you you look at what he did in 2014 with Tanner Pearson and Tyler Toffoli, that 70s line, nobody thought it would, on paper, it didn't make sense, but all of a sudden, it just, something clicked and it started working. So who's to say that it doesn't start working next year? Or, I mean, he's only got two years left on his deal, this year and next year, so it doesn't make Again, like three years ago, if you were going to say, let's move on from Jeff Carter, I would say, okay, what are you going to give us in return? Just like Dustin Brown, but he's kind of a a quiet producer. He's fairly consistent. You generally know what you're going to get out of him, and he's easy on the eyes. Listen, I think things started to go downhill when he cut the hair and, you know, he he, he scored a bunch of goals and then he cut his hair and now he's been like extra streaky. So, I mean, both for personal reasons and for hockey reasons, I think he should grow it back. So clearly he's Samson of the hockey world. Absolutely. (laughs) I thought that was Michael Hanzus. Oh, God. (laughs) That too. I will never forget losing to Michael freaking Hanzus. Like that game was amazing. Oh my god, that game was so good. I lost. Like, I mean, at the time, obviously, I was rooting more for Chicago than the Kings. I lost my mind because I had spent that entire like playoff run being like, "Why is this guy in the lineup? He contributes nothing." And then he scored the goal to win that game, and I was like, "Holy balls!" I'm so sorry, Michael Hanzus. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I lost my mind that game too, but for the opposite reason. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's wrap this up. Do you guys have any final thoughts, any trade suggestions or whatever? Jonathan, um, quick for Taylor Hall. <laughs> I like it. Sabres, call us. We have suggestions. Um, trade Jeff Carter directly to me. His wife and kids can come. That's fine. <laughs> I was like, that's a little awkward, Sarah, but okay. <laughs> Listen, it's 2021. 
<laughs> We're living in the future. <laughs> okay, why not? Um, yeah, so any last final thoughts on the trades of Brendan Lemieux and um, being a Trump person and his BFF being Tony D'Angelo, who is a racist white supremacist, even though he denies it and claims that white racism is a thing. And, um, oh, my God. <laughs> and that he's always the victim. I need I to don't go know. through it. I don't know. I hope Rob Blake knows Brendan Lemieux personally and, like, knows something we don't. I, I like, it, it's just, uh, maybe I'm just speaking as... I don't know, as a white guy in his 30s, but, like, I'm just, I'm exhausted of having to list, of having to know what an athlete's political opinion is because they just have to tell you what their opinion is, like, without a greater point to it. You know what I mean? I hope I'm saying that right. I'm tired. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just hope that it's, like, you know how... I mean, now the whole thing is like Tony D'Angelo isn't playing because the Rangers were like, you're never going to play for us again. Um, because they had that conversation with him at some point of, and you know, of like, listen, if you like screw it up one more time, like you're done. And then he screwed it up by having a fight with his teammate and then he's done. Like, I would like to think that maybe Rob Blake was like, listen, you can believe whatever you want. That's cool. But if you turn out to be like a, I'm not going to say it because I don't want you to have to bleep your podcast. Like <laughs> if you turn out to be like that to your teammates, like you're done too. Um, and I, I would hope because the, the issue for me, and this is a whole other podcast, so I'll keep it quick is like the culture that the Kings are building of this team that is, you know, dedicated, that is very prominent in being inclusive. And they have, you know, four high profile black players on their AHL team and they have Blake Bolden in their front office and a scout and everything to then like turn around and bring in a guy who we know maybe doesn't fly that same path. Like I, I just hope that someone has had a conversation with him at the end of the day. That, that leads me to my closing thought here and you guys don't have to answer. Um, what does that say to players like Byfield and Nikhil Thomas and, and, all their other black and, and, you know, Blake Bolden and, and, um, you know, Boko Obama and, and stuff. What does that say to them when you bring in a guy like Brendan Lemieux, who, you know, BFFs with Tony D'Angelo, who is okay with white supremacist rhetoric? What does that say to them? I'm not expecting you guys to, to answer or anything, but I just feel like, as you mentioned, if you're trying to build this culture and you bring in a guy like 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 that and you're just like that's a lot of likes <laughs> if you bring yeah. in a guy i i think i think at the end of the day and it's sad but this is probably the answer is that they're all of those guys are like well yeah like i i think that they are all so used to to that that i i, I think that they might just be like well yeah of course this is hockey and that sucks. That sucks that they have to do that. And I know uh, Devontae Smith-Pelly has talked in the past about how he has felt alone on teams where he is the only black player and that he has felt like no one has understood what he has gone through as a player because he has no one else with that experience. So regardless of where anything ends up and is Brendan Lemieux a, a 
good teammate who's good to all of his teammates or just some of them or whatever. Like, I, I am glad that ultimately these guys have each other. Excuse me, that these guys have each other. And, you know, regardless of where things go, that there is there is a, a, a group of them who can be support for each other. Um, just in general, even even taking aside Brendan Lemieux, that they can just be uh, be a bunch of guys to be like, you know, to validate each other whenever something stupid happens, to be like, did that happen? Like, I'm not crazy, right? Like, yeah. It just feels like such a slap in the face. Like, as you mentioned, they're trying to build this culture and then they bring in this guy. It To me, it just feels that they are kind of doing it only because they think it's a good PR move to, to present on the outside that they're building this culture and, and they're hiring this black woman, like the first woman in her type of position. It just kind of feels that it's, it's the sort of the, the fingers crossed behind their back, you know? That's just my thought. As a white man, I know the answer to this is with that I, <laughs> I just hope for the best in people yeah so, yeah and i hope for the best in the situation yep and, that's all yeah. that's all we can do as people with zero control <laughs> over the situation is please prove us wrong like please prove me being annoyed about this wrong and that's all i can ask for absolutely all right. Well, thank you both for joining me today. I know this podcast went a little long, so sorry about that. Um, but your thoughts and feelings are so great to hear, as always. And uh, hopefully, dear listeners, we will be back again with a shorter podcast and actually good news to report in the next week or so. <laughs> <laughs>